Hey everyone, welcome back to another Plugged In episode on the CPC Podcast. This Plugged In episode is brought to you by Gravity Student Ministries, the youth ministries of Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We pray that this episode blesses you and challenges you and gives you the answers that you have been looking for for quite some time. I know that this message is going to be anointed and we know that it's going to bless you. So without any further ado, let's get into today's Plugged In episode. So we'll go ahead and go to uh, our scripture for the night. It comes from Matthew 8, 28 through 34, if you want to open your Bibles and go there. I'll tell you, I've I've been very intrigued at this story in the Bible for many years, ever since I've uh, began to follow God. I read this story early on in my faith journey, and it's always stuck out to me. It's very peculiar. I'm very interested in what this scripture says, because I never could figure out the meaning of it. And I always wanted to know what God meant and intended for this story. And God recently just revealed to me what this story means. And I hope that it helps you tonight. Matthew 8, 28-34 says... And when he was come to the other side, into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen of the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart. They wanted him to leave. The whole town came out, the whole city came out, and they wanted Jesus to leave. Out of their coast. And if you'll pray with me tonight, you can close your Bibles. Lord, I just ask that you help me tonight, God. I pray, Lord, that you would use my voice, God. Not for any glory of my own, God, but I pray that you would use my voice to bring about revelation, God. To help somebody understand what your word is trying to say to them, God. To help somebody learn a lesson tonight, God. To grow in their faith, Lord. To get stronger as a Christian, God. To have a stronger walk when they leave this place, God. I just pray you would help somebody in that way tonight, God. I pray that before we leave here, Lord, you would speak to us in a deep way tonight, God. That we would never forget the things that you reveal to us tonight, God. I pray all these things. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Mm. I want to preach to you tonight on the thought of the meat or the miracles. The meat or the miracles. 
So in this text, we see two possessed with devils. The Bible says that they are exceedingly fierce in so much a way that no man could pass. Now, that tells me that these men had a reputation, that people from the area knew who they were. People from the area knew uh, not to go around these guys, right? They, they were troublemakers, or they caused trouble for the townspeople, right? So, then we hear from the two men some before-it's-time prophecy. They say to Jesus, why have you come to bother us before our time? And we see that at this point, these devils know more about who Jesus is than most of his followers. See, you can tell by the language that they use that they are fearful. That they are scared because they know who Jesus is and they know what he can do. And that's one thing that we can all learn tonight is that Jesus has a reputation in the enemy's camp. They know who he is. They've heard his name a time or two. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. If you start calling on the name of Jesus, your enemy gets nervous. You start rebuking your problems in the name of Jesus and stuff just starts happening. Because the enemy knows who Jesus is. And the enemy knows what Jesus can do. See, there's power in that name. There's power in the name of Jesus. I wish some people, some young people in here tonight would realize who your dad is. If we just knew that when we start calling on the name of Jesus that the devil gets scared. I got a feeling we would all use that name a little more in our language. See, I wish a few born again believers would realize that demons tremble at that name. That name of Jesus. And if the spirit that raised him from the dead is in you, then whom shall you fear? But we see in this text that the devils are scared. They're worried. And they say to Jesus, If you cast us out, suffer us to go into the pigs. Now, what does that mean? They're saying, if you do decide to cast us out, please, when they say suffer us, they're, they're pleading with Jesus. Suffer us, please send us to the pigs. Right? The Bible says that there was a whole herd of pigs feeding nearby. Now, there's always debate about why they asked to go into the pigs. Anybody ever heard this story before? Am I the only one? Okay. I guess I'm the only one that's interested in this kind of stuff. But there's always debate, right? There's, everybody wonders, why, like, why the pigs? Why did they want to go to the pigs, right? And we don't understand everything about the way spiritual things work, but... I believe that Jesus had the power to cast them into hell to stay there forever. Right? Or at least until Judgment Day. And that's what they were afraid of. I believe that's what they were afraid of. So instead of being banned from the earth forever, if He sent them into the pigs, they could at least remain on the earth. But the Bible says Jesus agrees and says, Go. So the devils depart from the men and... They go into the pigs. Then the Bible says that the pigs all run off of a great cliff and into the sea and drown. 
Now, it seems like when I first read this story, like every sentence got weirder and weirder. Like, I, and I just never could figure it out. Like, they want to go into pigs. Okay, they got their wish. They go into the pigs. Well, now they run into the ocean and they die. Like, what, what's going on here? Right? But the Bible says they run off a cliff and they drown. Now, this seems strange. I'm not sure the reason behind this. I have an idea, but we'll save that for later. But immediately the Bible shifts focus, and where it goes is what God gave me to preach to you tonight. See, I always thought early on that this scripture was about the two possessed men. And I think a lot of us do. A lot of us gravitate towards that part of the story. But God revealed to me that there's more to it than that. The Bible shifts focus to the people who kept the pigs, the men who kept the pigs, the townspeople. See, these were the men in charge of watching the herd, and it says that they ran back into the city to tell about all that Jesus had done. Now, I can imagine how the conversation must have went. They must have went to the elected officials, the politicians, the mayor maybe, of the town, and they probably said something like, Hey boss, you know the two crazy guys that always attack people out on the coastline? Oh yeah, I know those guys. Those guys are bad news. Well, there was this man who got off of a boat and talked to the two guys, and right after that, all the town's pigs jumped off a cliff into the ocean and died. (laughs) I would not want to be the messenger who brings that news to the mayor. Right? I imagine they were furious. That was probably the whole meat supply for the whole town. Because if they had townspeople watching the pigs and keeping the pigs, surely the pigs were for the townspeople. Right? And they probably all had their hand in making money off of pork meat. Does anybody in here like sausage? Anybody in here like pork chops? Pulled pork sandwiches. Like, there's a lot of good things you can <laughs> save it for the altar call, Reverend. <laughs> there's a lot of good things that, that pigs produce, right? But I bet the mayor owned stock in half the herd, and he probably owned the slaughterhouse, too. And I imagine the mayor probably said something like, Oh, no, we, we can't have this, right? This guy ain't about to mess up what I've got going on here. I got a whole herd of pigs. I got pork meat that I'm selling to the whole town. Uh Uh-uh. I ain't eating red beans and rice with no sausage. (laughs) Right? You ever had red beans and rice without sausage? Me neither. I don't imagine it'd be very good. And then I imagine he probably, in his anger told the townspeople, show me where this man is. Point me to him, right? And the Bible says that the townspeople met Jesus on the coast, and this is what they told him. You got to go. You have got to get out of here. You are not welcome on our coast. You see, they were so focused on the meat that they missed the miracle. They missed the miracle. 
Could you imagine a friend calling one of you and telling you how God delivered them of their depression? And all you could say is, I can't think about that right now. I stopped getting followers on my Instagram today. I'm, I'm too busy. Could you imagine that? Here's a man who just cast two devils out of men who were living in tombs and had been enslaved by their problems their whole lives. They were castaways. They were rejected from society because they were so tormented and delusional. In other texts, the Bible says that they would often cut themselves and they would break bonds and they would break fetters and chains anytime people tried to contain them. They were crazy. Jesus just healed these two men. The two men no one could help. The two men nobody wanted to go around. The two men that had to live outside of the town because the townspeople didn't want anything to do with them. But all they could think about was the pigs. Oh man, no bacon with my eggs in the morning. Eggs get dry without bacon. Mm. Oh man, we can't have our pig roast this year. That's, that's probably a big one in our community. Right? Oh man, we ain't, we ain't going to have no cracklings at the store in the morning. Could you imagine going to Guillory's? Guillory's Meats? <laughs> And they ain't got no boudin, they ain't got no cracklings, they have no pepper jack cheese, boudin balls. They're like, all we got is rice. Rice and chips. We got red beans, but we ain't got no sausage. Mm. These two men have been eating the leftover slop from the pig's feed and living in tombs. Maybe they had family who didn't know where they were. Maybe they had children who didn't know where they were. Their own wives couldn't even visit them because they were crazy. They were tormented. They were possessed. And all you can think about is your pigs. Really? Your friend just got a breakthrough right beside you at the youth rally and all you want to talk about on the way home is how your boyfriend won't buy the gift that you want. Mm. I said don't hold anything against me but I'm going to try to bring it in your living room tonight because I'm guilty of some of these same things so we're all in here together to get better. I'm so afraid that the American church is becoming like the townspeople. Where did we take the wrong turn? How did we get here? Where a pig roast is more important than a broken person being healed and put back together by the power of the Holy Ghost. When did meat become more valuable than a miracle? You know, the Bible talks about meat a lot. 
every time the Bible uses the term meat, it's usually uh, associated with provision, what God provides for us, you know. Um, and the Bible tells us not to worry about what we'll eat tomorrow, what we'll wear tomorrow, right? God provides for the ravens, and, and, and he clothes the lilies, and won't he do so much more for us, right? Yeah. It's, meat is provision. Meat is, is the things that God sustains you with day to day so you can live and be alive. We should never hoard meat. We, we should never uh, be a glutton towards God's provision, God gives you what you need. Yeah. You shouldn't want more, right? A pork chop doesn't last, but a changed heart and saved sinner is forever. We can't undervalue what is priceless. Lord, we want the miracles. I, I want to know that I'm standing in a room with a group of young people that want the miracles. I wish every young person in here tonight would tell God, God, I want the miracles. Forget about the meat. If, I don't, if you don't give me meat, I still want the miracles. I don't care about the meat. God, it's worth it if my brother gets healed. It's worth it if my friend gets filled with the Holy Ghost. We've got to remember what's important. We can get so caught up in provision that we stop worrying about providence. Brother Remy said, I should have used a different term than that. Because y'all might not understand what providence is. But it just I guess God gave it to me. I don't know. Because I, I didn't really understand what it meant either. But I looked the definition up and it's perfect. Providence. Does anybody here know what providence is? It's, it's basically territory. God, God gives you the territory that you need, right? God wants to expand His territory. God said, Go ye therefore, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? We have a mission and a calling yeah. to spread God's territory, right? That's what providence is. God wants to grow His providence, and that is our calling, right? That's what we should be focused on instead of provision. God wants to deliver the captives, to heal the sick, to redeem those that are bound and in slavery and bondage to sin. God wants to deal with the sins of the world. It ain't about how nice of a vehicle I can get for my first car to impress everybody at school. I know that was a big one for me. When I was 14, 15 years old, I can remember... You know, dreaming about having the coolest truck at my school in the parking lot, you know. And, and just my expectations were way above what reality was, right? Ended up having to buy my first truck, and it was not, <laughs> was not the nicest truck in the parking lot. It's not important for me to get invited to the cool kids party this weekend. It doesn't matter if I have the most popular brands of clothes and shoes. I don't even know what's popular these days. I'm, I'm so far away from that. Like, what y'all wearing right now? Come on, throw some names out there. Jordans, hey dudes, Nikes, Justin, Justin's. That's, see, I know that. 
We're on the same wavelength. North face. That, like, if you didn't have a North Face hoodie, you wasn't nobody. You weren't nobody. If your school clothes wasn't American Eagle, right? The khaki American Eagles, you didn't have it. Uh, back in the day, Sister Alicia used to wear the, the, uh, the potato shoes. What are the potato shoes? The little spud-looking shoes? Y'all, y'all remember that? Like, what were they called? Yeah. Potato shoes. I did too. Yeah. It was the ugliest footwear you could ever put on, but it it was comfortable and it was popular. But really, really, that don't matter. It it really don't matter. I. I I concerned myself with that at a young age, and today I couldn't even tell you what brand my clothes are. I, I don't know. I, I just get what's cheap, and I work in them. And Amazon. I order shirt bundles on Amazon. Like, I mean, it really don't matter. But a young person meeting Jesus and getting washed and saved and sanctified, my goodness, what a jewel. How precious is it when that happens? Priceless. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one lost sinner brought to repentance. They don't care what you're wearing. The angels ain't looking at your logo. But when you bring a friend to church and they have a breakthrough and they give their life to Jesus and they say they want to be baptized and they start acting different and they start hanging out with a different crowd and they start reading their Bible and they start going to Bible study and uh, they come to a youth rally and they get filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, you're storing up treasures in heaven. You're catching the attention of God. Sometimes we've got to give up our selfish wants to see somebody else get what they need. It's a hard thing to preach to the church today. It's, it's not all about us. It's about them. Them. Outside of these walls. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not against praying for our personal things, but I am against making that priority over a struggling friend who is addicted and bound by depression. Something's wrong when we'd rather just eat cookies and drink coffee at our youth services rather than pray with a friend who needs a breakthrough in the altar. Something's wrong when you'd rather not miss that opportunity to talk to your bestie who you talk to every day just for someone struggling and needing a friend that day. Maybe you had to miss the football game because a fellow youth member needed someone to spend time with that weekend. It's worth it if they get their miracle. I don't ever want our temporal needs to overtake God's eternal plans. There's still so many souls that need saving. So many addictions that need to be broken. So many minds that need to be renewed. Please God don't let our resources hinder our revival. It's easy to get 
get to that place where I'm good. You know, I got a prayer answered. Things are going good. Like, I'm happy where I am. Right? It's easy to get there. But sometimes you you got to get go through a trial. Sometimes you got to sacrifice. Sometimes you got to give up a little bit to see revival, to see your friends get get to where you are, right? How are we ever going to have revival if it's us four and no more? You ever heard that? How are we going to see revival if the only people we associate with are the ones we are comfortable with? How come the same 20 kids keep showing up every Wednesday? I mean, I love all you guys. Don't get me wrong. I love you to death. I, I would do anything for you. I pray for you all the time. Center point, I pray for y'all too. Love y'all. But at what point are we the townspeople? Who, are rooting for the outs- who aren't rooting for the outsiders. Who aren't willing to sacrifice to see God's work in somebody else's life. The Bible says it's not God's will that one should perish. We have a call from God to go ye therefore teaching all nations. Why are the other people you talk to at school not sitting right here next to you hearing this message tonight? I'll tell you why. It's because we've gotten fat on the meat. We aren't concerned about their miracle. And we aren't willing to share. Somebody else is hungry too. Your friend who sits in your science class, they need a miracle too. Your buddy who you hang out with on the weekends, he needs a miracle too. Are you going to stop chewing on yours long enough to see them get theirs? Will you go after the ones outside of the town? See, this is your town. Everybody look around right now. Look, look around the room. This is who you live with every week, week in, week out. Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, but there are some young men and women living out there in tombs all alone that you never invite. And you say, well, this just ain't for them. They won't come. They aren't like us. Or they might embarrass me or make fun of me. or They're, they're just too crazy. They, they couldn't sit in a youth service. They still need a miracle. They still need deliverance. They still need to be saved from the chains of sin. See, I think the Word of God has divine purpose even down to the order it's put in. And I promise I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. I know it's late. I think the Word of God is divine in its purpose and it, it, even down to the order it's put in. Our, our opening text is found at the very end of Matthew chapter 8. And here we see a people sending Jesus away for doing miracles because it cost them something. But if you just keep reading the very next verse, which is the first verse of chapter 9, we read this. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. i got to stop right there. Uh, If you act like you don't need God, he won't leave you or forsake you, but he will minister somewhere else. 
He won't work in a life He's not welcome in. He'll be with you and He'll catch you when you fall. But He's not going to be actively working and blessing and, and giving His favor to somebody who doesn't want Him. And behold, they brought to Him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus shows us in the last chapter how it shouldn't be, and here He shows us how it should be. People going out of their way to bring other people to Jesus. Other versions of this text say they tore the roof out and lowered the man down into where Jesus was. See, it cost the men something, but they saw that it was worth it if a miracle happened. We can't get so content with our miracles that we stop striving and praying and seeking for other people's miracles. I can't tell you the amount of times God's blessed me through someone else's healing or someone else's breakthrough. We've all been there at an altar and somebody just gets what they need from the Lord right beside you and man, it just lifts my spirit. Like I love it. I love to see a young person have a breakthrough or pray through or get baptized or whatever. I love it. I love it. Lord, help us to be a people who knows the value of a miracle. God, let us be willing to pay the cost for helping those in need. Lord, help us to be the church that brings people to you, not the church that takes people away from you. See, that's what the scripture's talking about. It's not about the two possessed men. It's about the townspeople. The townspeople would rather their provision, they would rather their meat than see somebody healed, than see somebody delivered, than to see somebody come to Jesus. We can't be that people. We've been that people. If, if we're honest, we've been that people. At times we have. But I say it's time to break out of that. I say it's time for some conversations to start happening at school. I say it's time for some scenery to change in our youth groups. Not that we don't want y'all, but we want all of y'all. We want everybody. Right? And I got to be finished because it's late. <laughs> On behalf of Gravity Student Ministries, thank you so much for checking out today's Plugged In episode. If you're ever in the Centerpoint, Louisiana area and you want to come check out one of our services in person, we have them every Wednesday night, 7.05 p.m. in the Upstairs Youth Sanctuary at Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We would love to have you be a part of us. In the meantime, though, hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you on the next Plugged In episode. See you later.